Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Right there, and I appreciate you being here, though. And you know, I'm glad you're going to hopefully add some value and share everybody with some pearls and gems here. But you want to give everyone a little small tidbit introduction of yourself before <laughs> diving in everything. I usually hate doing introductions and stuff, but. I figure some people call me out on it. Say, well, we don't even know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so Chris, I, I'll tell you, I'm a goofball. That's who I am. I love having fun. I believe there's way too many serious people on this planet and life is too short not to have fun. And so I'm also aerodynamic like you are. So we already have something in common. I love that. But my name is Robert Raymond Riopel. Uh, I am an international best-selling author with my first book, Success Left a Clue. And I'm also an app designer. Um, the greatest thing I really love is the fact that not only am I a serial entrepreneur, but for the last 20 years, not to date myself, please don't start doing the math of how old I am. Uh, I've been traveling around the world being able to train people anywhere from 100 people in an audience at a time to 6,000 in an audience three to five days at a time. And I'm up on stage for up to 12 hours a day, just getting to help people, you know, have make little and major changes in their life. And that's what I love to do. And it's what my passion is. Nice. So have you always been a typical kind of fun guy just ever since coming out the womb, I guess you could say? Yeah, yeah, I was all, I've always been that little mushroom, you know, the fun guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm the youngest of four kids. And I guess to get my share of the attention, it was, you got to have fun. And, you know, I started off being that people pleaser, though, as a kid, trying to thinking I had to please everybody. And I'll tell you, Chris, that is so tiring. I don't so know. tiring trying to do that. <laughs> and I mean, you know, trying to be a people pleaser. I mean, you're trying to do good at the same time, but also it seems like it also can lead you down some rough roads, like of doing things that you don't want to do and almost people taking advantage of you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being someone you're not. You know, today, my belief is that the greatest gift anybody can give this planet is to be themselves, show up for who they are, whatever that looks like. Because I didn't realize that when I've been a people pleaser, my mindset was I've got to please everybody and not even thinking about the fact that there's seven plus billion people on this planet. But I thought I had to, to make everybody happy. So I would adjust, adjust, adjust. 
But the moment I learned, and this was in my 30s that I finally learned this, that you know what, world, here I am. And if you like me for who I am, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome. Because all of a sudden, I realized the time, the energy, and the money I saved not trying to be someone else. And the, the, then I get blown away by the most amazing people that are drawn into my energy because they actually like me for who I am instead of wanting me to be someone else. And that just, it took a whole weight off my shoulders when that happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, going along with that, you know, I've heard a quote a while back saying, you know, surround yourself, you know, you're, you're the average of the people you hang out with the most, you know? Yep. And so if you surround yourself, obviously, you know, with people not, you know, I guess following your goals or dreams that you think you want to be and they're doing taking the bad road down to life or whatever. I mean, that's most likely what you're going to be doing. So, and it, it's a suck when you get yourself outside of those, that realm and people start to see you do your own thing. And it might be some jealousy, some envy, and especially when you, like you just said, you know, you don't care what other people are thinking of you. Like, Hey, I'm doing me right now. You know, like I'm not going to go down y'all's road. I mean, y'all know how to get there. Y'all can do your own thing, you know? And it's, I feel like it's hard for people to actually learn that. It is. And, and probably one of my favorite quotes comes from Eleanor Roosevelt that says, what other people think of me is none of my business. And when you understand it actually has nothing to do with you, what other people think of you. And, and today there's people that can't handle my energy. And I could, you know, one of my favorite books to read is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And, you know, one of the agreements don't take things personally, because no matter what people say about you or think about you, it is actually just a reflection of themselves has nothing to do with you. And when I started to realize that it was like, it was liberating. It really was because now it is. And, and what I've, because I deal with success and mindset, Chris, a lot of people go, well, Robert, if I go for success, some of my friends, I may lose them as friends. You know, what do you advise? And I actually say, you're right. You may. And it's not because they're afraid to, or they don't like who you've become. But a lot of people aren't ready to grow themselves sure. and they get stuck where they want to be. And so you can either, when you talk about the five people you surround yourself with, most of the times people who do want to grow, they end up being at the upper end of the five. And so they're the five people that they surround themselves with are ending up being like anchors. And, but what I also tell them is I say this, I say, when you grow who you are to go for your dreams, sure, you may lose some friends that just aren't in alignment, but two beautiful things are going to happen. B, you're going to attract a more amazing friends and C, some of those existing friends are going to go, I want some of that. And they're going to grow with you. So by you actually, and this is one of my quotes, I say you will either affect people with your greatness or you'll infect them with your mediocrity. I like that. And in my opinion, one of the biggest problems in the world is too many people are playing mediocre games. They're not stepping into their true greatness. And, and let's be clear, not greatness in arrogant way, but greatness in authentic, you know, I, I'm confident of who I am. Most people that I've met that are arrogant, they're trying to compensate for other issues in their life. So they try to overdo it by being the arrogant. But when you meet someone who's just so many amazingly authentic, and if that means if they're a jerk, but they're authentically a jerk, I have no problem with that. Because if it doesn't align with me, I know there's people that like jerks. Mm -hmm. And that's perfect. That's their crew. And I'm okay with that, if that makes sense. It does make sense. It makes perfect sense. I wanted to ask, do you think people strive towards mediocrity just because it's easy and you don't have to 
get out of your comfort zone and you don't like change. And that's, well, that's exactly it. Just keep it is, and do nothing. Yeah. Our mind, it has the one job. It's not to make you successful or happy or have a great life. Its job is to keep you where you are in that comfort zone and your mind hates change. So it will do whatever it can to keep you from expanding and um, growing. And that saying that says the devil you know is better than the devil you don't to the mind. That's probably the greatest um, line to the mind because it would rather keep you in misery, um, frustrated, depressed, not liking your life than to say, well, let's take a little chance and do something a little different. That's because that's not the job of the mind. That's and, and people think, though, yeah, no, I, my mind's going to be what makes me happy and successful. No, you're going to do that. Your mind's going to try and resist. So you can either let it hold you back or you can say, hey, great. Notice what you're trying to do. But I choose to take one more step and yeah. take one more step and take one more step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just take one more step and get out of that comfort zone. You realize, hey, I can do these things, you know, or whatever yeah. you do. And that's one thing I've learned that, you know, I, I work in higher education and in the beginning, we used to go to, you know, either meetings or conferences or, you know, little team building things. I don't know what you, whatever you want to call them. But, for, you know, my, my, one of my instincts was like, oh, just stay with who you know, get in a group of all the people you know. And oh, yeah, yeah, whoever's leading it, it's like, hey, we're going to mix you up in different groups. And I was like almost, you know, it was like anxiety or whatever. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be around with people I don't know now. But then I learned to actually accept that over time. And just like you said, take a step, keep doing it. Next one. I would force That's it. around other people who I didn't know. And it's like you meet people. It's how you strive. It's how you grow. It's just like you were saying. So. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, what's really critical is, and this was a mind shift, mind shift, um, set shift that I had even just last two years with what the world's going through. Because one of the things I want your listeners to understand is even though I've been blessed, you know, BC before COVID, I was flying on average 200,000. Oh, good. I'm glad you got that joke. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I was <laughs> for a couple seconds. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was flying on average 200,000 miles around the world doing live trainings. And all of a sudden, um, you know, I go from 200,000 miles down to zero. Yeah. I had to do a total reinvent of, you know, my life and one of my major incomes, which, you know, I get paid to train beyond live stages. So I had to go to virtual. Sure. And so one of the things that even though I tra- travel and train all over the world, I'm still a student in as many audiences as I can be. Because the moment I think I know it all, I'm done. I'm done. And so one of my mentors, right as we entered into COVID, we were on a, um, a training and I made the, a statement I make a lot of times. And I said, yeah, you know, I love that we're surrounded by like-minded people because this is off- awesome. And he goes, Whoa, whoa, Robert, stop. I said, what's going on? He said, let's do a little bit of an adjustment there. He said, you believe it's important to be surrounded by like-minded people. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I said, I, I'm in front of my audience. I'll say, I got a thousand people in the audience. And I'll even say to them, aren't you feeling blessed? You're in a room of a thousand like-minded people. And they're like, yeah, everybody loves it. He goes, well, Robert, if you're surrounded by uh, complainers and you're like-minded, what do you think that's going to make you? And I went, oh, Ouch. <laughs> and, and it made so much sense. And then I'm like, okay, um, so help. What do I do? <laughs> right? Because this is something that was deep ingrained belief in me for decades. He says, surround yourself with growth minded people. Mm. I said, okay, that sounds great. I said, what does that mean? Come on, get, you know, deep dive. He says, well, growth minded people, not only are they the people that are going to be there to pick you up when you stumble. 
like good friends do. He said, but they're also going to be the people that are your greatest cheering squad when you're doing well. He said, but probably the most important role that they're going to have is they're the people that are going to be willing. And I want everybody to listen to the words I'm using. Willing to have the tough conversations with you when need be. Like, Chris, why aren't you playing a bigger game? Why are you holding back to your true greatness? And I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying you, you are, Chris, but you, you know, those are the conversations that you want to have, um, be willing to have people in your life make so that you don't get stuck. And I, I reflected right away that probably one of the, and it's something I have no problem admitting, I wouldn't be here talking to you today, doing what I'm doing today, wouldn't have traveled around the world like I have and impacted so many lives that I have if it wasn't for my wife. Because left to me and my own programming, I would be in a job, miserable as hell, but comfortable. Oh. But see, she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am, even if it means giving me a swift kick in the butt sometimes. And of course, I'm always open to those, right? <laughs> I'm like, rrr, rrr, rrr. and then finally it's like, you're right. <laughs> but because of her willingness to hold me to that higher standard, and it's a gift I give her as well. So probably a blessing I would say for your audience is ask yourself, who do you have in your life that is that person or people that are willing to sit there and say, hey, quit being a jerk, quit being an asshole. Or, you know, you're doing good, but you could do greater. Yeah. And be those people that give you that swift kick. Yeah. Those are the growth-minded people. You know, I feel like a lot, of, well, I don't want to say a lot of people. I'm generally speaking, though, that people like to surround themselves with, you know, yes, man, just because, you know, whatever they say, yeah, whatever they say is, the best thing on earth since, you know, whatever your favorite thing. Yep. And then, you know, you can't really grow. Like you're saying, you throw out all these ideas and be like, yeah, that's great. You're good. Yeah. And, and the ego gets fed, of course, and just keep going. Yep. <laughs> What's going wrong here? You know, it's just like, you know, we had all these great ideas, but you know, that's one thing I've tried learning too, is that just because somebody has a great idea or an idea, an idea, a great idea, whatever you want to say, doesn't mean that it is, you know, and I've no. learned to have these tough conversations, trying to learn, still learning, have these tough conversations say my opinion more, say like, what might work with this? What might not work? How can we make it better? You know? And See, and, and those three questions right there, that's the hardest part when people have ego. And, and we'll talk about ego in a moment because everybody has it, but most people resist it. But if you embrace it, it can actually be healthy. And the three things that you said is what I work with every single time I do something that I'm working on or with a group or a team, it's what worked. And we do this with no... Um, blame, no justifying, no uh, ego about it. It's just, okay, what worked? Well, this and this and this and this and this worked. We make point form list. Perfect. Yeah. What did not work? Well, this and this and this. And it's not like, well, because John said this and Sam did. No, it's just this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then it, the third one is what can be done different? Because some of your greatest lessons come from what did not work. Oh my goodness, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I did everything perfect. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I love the you know that saying, it's not failure, it's feedback. Either you win or you get feedback. Plain and simple, you're never losing. You take the feedback, you make the adjustments, you go again. And so when you do this without having any kind of blame or justification or anything like that in there, it allows you to quiet the ego and just come from matter of fact, these items work these didn't, here's what we can do different. And then you do them. You make the adjustment and you go. You don't keep trying to do it the same way and beat your head against the wall. Yeah. Insane. And, and that's, that's a big key right there.
Yeah, it's just, you know, you keep doing the same thing, you'll get the same results, you know, and that's one thing I like to try to keep it in the back of my head, too, is just, hey, if I'm not liking something, if I want things to change, if I want things to be better, you know, hey, I got to change my habits or my daily routine or whatever you want to say if I want to get to a certain point. But, you know, you, you touched on ego, though, a little bit, and I like to ask people, you know, it seems like ego is almost correlated with success and that you can't be successful and without having an ego, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a person's ego trying to tell them that actually everybody has ego and that's not the issue. The issue is whether you allow it to play out in healthy ways or not. And here's what happens for most people. And this is just my experience. And I want everybody to understand that, Chris, you know, I, I've been blessed to train over half a million people around the world in live trainings and I watch people. Yeah. And I like to see what's working, what's not. I'm always observing and what I've noticed is everybody has ego. But the problem is, is most people, especially those that try to deny it, oh, I don't have ego. And, and so they try to squash it down. Mm -hmm. And as they suppress it, it finally will only be suppressed for so long before it comes up in a weird way. And that's when someone's like, oh, aren't you egotistical? Or, and all of a sudden they react in those weird ways to you. Mm -hmm. So what, I, what I've learned in my life, and again, only speaking from my own example, is I know that when I'm on stage in front of an audience, and it's my preference, there's no room for ego. I'm there for my audience. And with that awareness, I know that if I don't want my ego to come out while I'm on stage, then I better give it a way to express itself in a healthy way. So that it... Uh, listeners, we might be having... Sure, did, did you freeze up on me? Yeah. Oh, I lost you there for a moment. Vice versa, yeah, I thought you froze up on me. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, uh, keep going though. I think I can yeah. put that out. Yeah, we, um, we're having a bit of a storm over our place. And I'm in the country. Oh, that's I'm working off Starlink, which uh, is much better than what I used to have, I'll tell you. I Lo have love that. Elon Musk. Thank you. Well, we can get touch on that later on, but uh, continue on where you were at, though, if you want to. Yeah, what did I leave off on? What was the last thing you heard about your ego? Training, uh, shit, now I forgot. Something about your live trainings and, and, and ego. And okay, and yeah. Yeah, so what I was saying is that in all my live trainings, there's no room for ego. But I know if I don't allow it to come out in a healthy way, it will surface while I'm on a training. So for what I do is I love video games. So my healthy way of letting my ego play is when I'm playing video games, like Chris, if you and I were in a head-to-head -head game right now, I'm sorry, dude, but you're going down. <laughs> because I'm going to full and let my ego play and have fun with it because now I'm giving it space to vent so that when it's time for me to be on a, a stage in front of an audience – and being about them, my ego's not trying to go, oh, well, I'm going to come out and play right now because I've given it a space in a healthy way. I like that. Um, so, I mean, did you just develop that just with experience and over time it just came to you that this is how I want things to be done with, according to your ego? Is it you have a mentor telling you or like, you know, a role model or what? A little bit of everything. I'm a huge believer in mentors. And um, so a lot of it was experience. Uh, but a lot of it was also guidance by um, mentors. And I'm talking several mentors. I'm not just talking one. And again, because I love to watch people, I ask a lot of questions as well to get a better understanding. And that's where I started putting my ego at bay instead of going, oh, I know that, I know that. Because how often does our mind say that? And then as soon as we say, I know that, we shut ourselves down to learning. So I then catch myself and go, no. Okay, what is it I'm not, what is it I don't know here? Or why is it I'm thinking I know this, but do I really? And because of that curiosity, then it allows me to really, and this is why I'm today still a student, a major student, because I don't want to be the person that knows everything.
Do I know a lot? Absolutely. But is there a lot for me to learn? Absolutely. And, and that's where, you know, because I do a lot of work on myself. I'm always doing introspection to how can I get better. And I, one of the biggest questions I get from people is they'll see me on stage and they'll see me empowering lives and they'll go, well, Robert, how can I do what you do? And it kind of shocks them sometimes when I give them the answer. Mm-hmm. I say, if you want to do what I do, then you've got to be willing to do what I do behind the scenes. The boring as hell, unsexy, frustrating work that needs to be done to allow me to do what I do on the stage. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth. Most people aren't willing to do that. Their ego goes, I just want to be that person in front of thousands. Oh, you want me to do some work to get there? No way. And that's why I'm huge on telling people, I will never tell you success is easy. It takes work. Now, it's simple because there's strategies, proven templates, and proven systems that if you do what other people do, you can get the success. But you've got to put work in. That's why probably my favorite quote of all time is every master was once a disaster. People aren't willing to go through the disaster stage to get to the master stage. They just want to jump forward into mastery. And then, and think about this. And, you know, in my new book that I'm writing right now, I talk about the four currencies of life. And one of the currencies is a currency of fame. And have you ever noticed how fame, especially when you're talking like main, you know, the the A-list celebrities, for some of them, it ruins their life when they get fame, but others get the same amount of fame or more, and they are able to handle it. It's like, so what's the difference between the two? Well, the ones that aren't willing to do the work and be themselves, they think they have to be someone else. In that fame, it comes so quick, they don't know how to handle it. Whereas the people who do handle it, and it came from a, I really got this from an interview I listened to years ago, where someone was interviewing Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. And they said, Jennifer, you're a powerhouse, actress, singer, businesswoman, but you're also a powerhouse, you know, you have great family relationships. How do you handle the two? And she said, basically, well, I'm just me. But when I'm doing business, I'm J-Lo. That's my persona of me. I'm J-Lo, but I'm still me in that persona. She says, when I'm with family, I'm just Jennifer. Plain and simple. I'm still me, but I'm to family, I'm Jennifer. And it was like that brick that one had to clap to my head and went, wow, when I'm on stages around the world, sorry say that again oh you you started cutting out and freezing a little bit right there and now you're back (sighs) yeah where did i freeze up at which part like part where you said like you realized when j-lo said that when she's on stage i guess she's j-lo but when she's actually around her friends and family she's just jennifer jennifer yeah. yeah And and so that was the one hand clap for me yep. is that when I'm on stages around the world, I'm Robert Raymond Riopel. That's my brand. That's who I am. But when, and I'm, I'm the goofy, you know, aerodynamic, short, heavy set guy. That's me. And when I'm at home, I'm just Robert or Rob to my family. And, and think of it like this, Chris, can you imagine like I had family, I had my brothers, my sister over for the, um, this weekend for Easter. Can you imagine if we're sitting around the fire, sitting around the table and go, hey, guys, someone go get me a beer. Don't you know who I am? My brothers would have clued me real quick that I'm not all that. <laughs> and and so 
and, and, and it's actually a, a private joke my wife and I have to help keep me grounded because when I'm overseas and I'm training, I have assistants that get food. They, I get picked up the airports and limos. I get all this great taken care of. So when I get home to help keep me grounded, our running joke is my wife will look at me. She'll go, honey, you're home now. No more assistance. Go take out the garbage. And I love it. I love it because it reminds me that, you know what? I'm just an ordinary guy following my passion, doing what I love. But there's nothing extraordinary about me over anybody else. I'm just the same. Yeah, yeah there's one quote I like just you know, we talk about quotes and books and stuff, but, you know, work hard, stay humble. And that way it keeps you on that even keel. And that way you don't get to where, you know, you're at a certain level. And just like you said, you expect everyone to get things, you know, done for you around you. And it just, it doesn't work. You know, you might work if you have the yes man around you, but to an extent, I think it's not going to last very long, but. Well, yeah. And, and Chris, you never know who's around you truly. And, and here's what I mean by that. So, I, when I, when I do trainings and in my audience, I never perceive that people are beneath me. One of my mentors, he said, always be the middle. He said, don't elevate people and look at them like they're amazing and look down on people. Yeah. He said, if you come from the middle that we're all the same, we're all amazing. And so in my audiences, I never try to perceive who's there or who's not. And with staff, volunteers, I treat everybody like I want to be treated. I make sure I let them know I appreciate them. I know what, you know, for three years, as I was mentoring to be a trainer, my wife and I were volunteering at 38 trainings a year at our own expense to be of service. Wow. So I understand what it takes to put on logistics, to put on an event. So I truly appreciate all the people that are doing the behind the scenes stuff. And I remember I was going to Brazil for second or third time I was there. And, and this one volunteer, she kept being there. She, um, on the, my final event, she was um, my personal assistant and I knew she was going to be my assistant and I wanted a gift for my nephew. And it was his coming up his 40th birthday and um, he loves knives. And I thought I'd love to bring him back a genuine Brazilian knife. And so I messaged her ahead of the training and said, Hey, you know, Marianne, thank you so much. I, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Um, I want to get a knife for my nephew, a, a genuine Brazilian knife. Um, would you be able to maybe take some time and look and see if you can find one? She goes, yeah, absolutely on it. What, ask me some questions. And so I get to the event. She's, she shows up and she's got this gorgeous knife. And it is just amazing. And I know my nephew's going to love it. And I said, how much? She goes, oh, no, it's my gift. I'm like, pardon me? She goes, yeah, it's just my gift. And, and, I, and because I teach people to be generous receivers, I was like, thank you so much. You know, because initially I'm like, no, 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 I got to pay. I, and I just said, thank you. Yeah. Well, later that year, I did decided um, to do one of when I do, you know, one of the other currencies of life is called experience. I don't want to just exist through life. I want to experience life to the fullest. So I love doing masterminds. And if I'm going to do an experiential mastermind, this was January of 2020. So literally two months before the world changed, hmm. I had eight of my students join me in Florida where we hopped on a private jet, we flew to the Bahamas for the day, we did one day of full-on masterminding at a Sandals resort, like we were picked up from the airport in a Rolls Royce, two white Rolls Royces, given a full police escort through the city to the resort, masterminded all day long while having a great breakfast, lunch, and dinner, out on the beach, out on the dock, just enjoying life, and then flew back that night. And um, two months before the event, or before putting together, when I was looking for who wanted to join me, I had messaged her and I said, oh, I'm doing this mastermind. She goes, okay, I'd like to go. And in my mind going, oh, well, is this right for her? It's going to be expensive. She's like, no qualms. She paid for it, you know, because it was expensive. 
And she joined us there. And while we're masterminding for her, I find out that this woman that I knew nothing about was a millionaire by 24, owns one of the largest Yamaha um, dealerships in Brazil, and has these, this amazing vision to become a billionaire and help a lot of people. But yet, every time I saw her, she was just the most down-to-earth person, authentically, that she is. And today, we're great friends because she's who she is. She lives authentically. Yeah. And it's like, so you never know who's around you. But if your ego plays out and you go, oh, I'm better than them or I can't be as good as them, you don't know who you're pushing out of your life that you could actually be attracting to your life. Yeah, I like that. You know, just I like that having those humbling experiences and you know, like we've been saying that you learn from your mistakes. And you know, some people, you know, you need to go through certain experiences that make you find out who you are as a person. Yes. You, break, yep. uh, you lose a, a sports game or whatever, you know, you lose your best friend, whatever you want to say. But you know, a lot of people are like, No, you know, I don't wish that on anybody to go through experiences like that. But you know, I I, I kind of go back and forth to this, but for the most part, I feel like somebody should you know, and I'm not advocating for bullying or anything, but go through certain experiences like that just because, like I just said, you find out who you are. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and your your journey is going to be perfect for you. You know, when I because I'm doing a lot of podcasts, one of the questions I get is, Robert, if you could go back to your 18 year old self and give yourself advice, what would you say? And I struggled with that, Chris, because I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. And all of a sudden, it finally came to me, and I said, I would tell myself, just keep being who you are, because even my darkest times that I went through is allowed me to be who I am today. And so which student out there would I've not been able to relate to if I'd only had a great life? Yeah. You know, so I look back at everything I've gone through as a blessing. And, and because of that, I now look at everything as a lesson. And it may not be that, you know, even some of the hardest times are like, why the hell am I going through this? I may not get a lesson right away. But then when I catch it and I re-ask in the phrase of, why am I going through this? Now I've opened myself up for a lesson and it may take years where all of a sudden I go, that's why that happened all those years ago. <laughs> now I get it because maybe, you know, um, I've had, you know, as an experience, as an example, uh, when I was still volunteering, I had a gentleman who was bipolar as a volunteer with my wife and I and a few other friends. And he ended up going off his medication and having that bipolar kind of snap. And all of a sudden, I ended up on the phone with him for two hours because he was threatening to kill my wife and my mentor because in his mind, the world wasn't ready for them yet because they were what he called impeccables. They were too good for the world yet. So they, they couldn't be around. And I had to keep my composure because if I said the wrong word, he would go, Robert, you're not listening. Oh, and he'd start from the beginning again. And it took over two hours before I could convince him to let me talk to his wife, convince his wife to, that the police were already on their way, that she needed to convince him that he had to go to the hospital to get back on his medications and that. And I, I had let it go, or so I thought. So imagine my surprise when two years later, I'm, I'm getting ready to run a five-day camp, and I'm going up to the registration um, building before the camp, and I walk in the building and who do I want face and you know face to face with? It's this guy. And the look on my face must have said it all. And right away he's like, rubber, rubber, it's okay, it's okay. I I'm good, I'm on my medication, and I'm only here to drop off my daughter. Cause I want her to go through this camp. It changed my life. And I'm like, I took a deep breath. I'm like, okay. And inside I'm just feeling like all this stuff coming up. 
And he goes, and I also wanted to say thank you. And I, and that took me off guard. And I'm like, what do you mean? Thank you. He says, if you hadn't had the patience and the willingness to spend that time on the phone with me that day, he said, I got better because I understand the importance of my medications. He said, when all of a sudden my son was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was able to have better conversations with him because of the patience you showed me. Wow. And I was just, I didn't know how to react. And I, he, he left his daughter there and my body paid the price like the next day because what I thought I'd let go when I woke up the next morning, my head is kinked over and I can't move it. My neck's locked up. And I've got 300 students waiting for me to train them. And I, because I had internalized and not let that energy go. And so it took a lot of work, you know, <laughs> that first day to get through that. But I look back now and I go, I could have been a jerk, an asshole, and, you know, screamed and yelled at him on the phone that day. And what would that have achieved? You know, and it was for months that we had private investigators following him yeah. to make sure he didn't hurt anybody. That's so, yeah, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> well, if you know, I just finished reading Will Smith's uh, book, you know, Will, and, you know, he has in it a quote or a saying, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, in life, we, and hopefully, let me make sure I get this right. In life, we get the test and then we learn the lesson. But in school, you know, you get the lesson first and then you get to take the test. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, we, experiences like that you know uh you got put to the test at first and you actually sounds like you passed it with that you know where just like you said you could have failed it miserably and been an asshole to him and things really would have went south yeah yeah Damn. yeah and it, it, it's it's crazy when you look back at it so you know ask yourself on a daily basis it's something i do is you know am i in a learning mode today or do i think i have nothing left to learn <laughs> and I get comfortable sometimes and think that, oh, no, I've learned enough because I'm no different than anybody else. I don't want anybody to ever think I'm better or I'm perfect. God, no. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and it's just being willing, willing to be you in life. You know, and trying to be me in life and learning about myself and working on myself, you know, in before BC, before COVID, like you said earlier, that <laughs> one of these things like, you know, you know, the world took a complete hold, you know, right when that happened, obviously. And, you know, it's when I kind of sat back and, you know, thought about, you know, what I was doing with my life and if I was living it up to the potential that I wanted to be and like, you know, how can I, you know, improve it or what can I, you know, what road should I start going down to get to where I want to be, you know, and, you know, it's in like uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm reading that right now, too, and that, you know, you get a goal and there's systems, right? And the goal is the ultimate, you know, obviously goal that you want to be, but you got to have a system in order to get to that, you know. Yep point a to point b or whatever you want to say and so yeah i guess my whole point was that yeah you know but that that was kind of one of the pros to covid was that i got to take, stop and take a look at myself instead of going down the same roads and like all right what, what do i really want out of this life you know like you just said, yeah just living it. and those that there's two words that i live by and my wife and i both live by and and covid put that to the test because again two hundred thousand miles a year to zero and I, we played the victim for the first couple of weeks. How long is it going to last? What's when, how, cause all of a sudden I had live events being canceled all over the world, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue gone instantly. And I, I played the victim for a little bit. Cause again, I'm human, 
But then when we realize what we're doing to ourselves, we ask two very powerful words that we live our life by. What's next? And also in the moment we said that, all of a sudden possibilities open up. And we had to do a total reinvent. And so when we asked the question of what's next, one of the things that my wife and I, um, three years previous, we had bought this beautiful acreage that we're blessed to live on. And we had bought it with the intention of someday building our own training studio. So instead of me traveling as much, my students from around the world could come here and I could do masterminds and mentoring. And we we're going to build it five, six, seven, eight, nine years down the road. So when we said, what's next? It was like, well, why don't we be, build a training studio? Well, of course, all of a sudden the mind goes crazy. But what if this thing lasts more than a few months? What if the, those live events don't come back? What if, what if, what if, what if? And then two more powerful words come in that I use all the time, which are all in. See, what happens is most people, they'll sit there and go, okay, what's next? Okay, I'll do this, but I better have that plan B. Because just in case it doesn't work out, I can fall back on plan B. And the moment you put a plan B in place, guess where your mind's going to go? You're going to start looking for the reasons it's not working. So you better go, oh, thank God I had plan B. I just saved myself. But my wife and I, we go, no, we're all in. And it, a five-month project took a year and a half to build out. Just as it finally got complete, all of a sudden we went into another lockdown. So I couldn't bring people to the, our place live again. So then it's like, okay, what's next? Well, why don't we build a Zoom room? And so you froze up on me again. Are you still there? I, I'm still listening. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, no, Chris. I, oh, no. I can hear you, but can you hear me? You're, I don't know what's going on. You're frozen on my screen. I might be frozen on your screen. Oh, there he is. Oh, He's back. back again. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I just got a thing on my, your internet connection is unstable. I wonder why it's okay. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know what, why that is, but okay. Continue on. What, what part did you lose me on there? You're building the Zoom room and, and okay. the trainings and stuff. Yeah. So now, on, like I'm now in my office. We put, built a 2,400 square foot um, addition to our home. And I'm in my office, and on the other side of the wall from me is our my training center, which now has a Zoom room where I can see up to two, three hundred, four hundred students at a time on TV screens. I have can have multiple cameras on me, and I can do a full three day training with not having to sit at my desk to do it. I can actually be full on with my audience mm -hmm. and I interact with them. So, you know, what's next and all in are words I live by. You know, uh, Travis Barker. He's the uh, drummer for Blink-182, if you know who that is. But anyway. Oh, I love Blink-182. <laughs> he was on a podcast talking about that you shouldn't have a plan B because it was like you said that. If you, if you do have a plan B, then there's always a million reasons. Like the first. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know, hiccup in the road you're going to come to, you'll immediately resort back to plan B. But I wanted to ask that, you know, it seems like some people do take the big risk and go for their actual goal just because they have a safety net or a plan B, you know, like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, you know, me spending all my money, I can make, probably go back and live with mom and pop for a while until I get back on my feet again. I mean, do you think you shouldn't have a plan B or. It, 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 it's not a one all or nothing. Uh-huh. Start off with what works for you to get you the results. So if, because I know people that having the comfort of a plan B, they never go to it. But the fact that it's there, it keeps them driving that I don't want to go to my plan B. So there's no one fitting answer that I see. For me, a plan B doesn't work because I know myself enough to know I would, I would gravitate to it if it's there. But if someone where they say, okay, I have a plan B, but that propels them to move forward, then I'm all for that. So figure out what works for you. This is why working on you yourself is so huge. This is why being willing to be honest with yourself is huge. This is why surrounding yourself with those growth-minded people are huge because they'll see things you're not seeing. That's, you know, so that's the way I look at it. And I, you know, I love your little friend that's behind you. What's their name? Oh, uh, that's Rocky. That's one of my dogs. <laughs> oh, Rocky. <laughs> I love animals. That's why I... <laughs> Dogs, they like the usually they're, they're being good tonight, but usually they get their balls out immediately when I get on here and start squeaking on doing everything else. But I don't know, maybe they had a tough day. It, it's raining here, so maybe they're lazy. I'm gonna take a nap, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, they keep the uh episode alive sometimes with the uh when they get the squeak in their ball and stuff. So anyway, but uh, I lost the train of thought that I was gonna ask you. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. So when you're doing these trainings and everything, I mean, what is it like? I mean, how does it go? What is the format? What is, what's, well, I, yeah, (laughs) I mainly do trainings around financial success for people. Okay. Why do you handle money the way you do identifying what's working, what's not so that what's not working. And, and I did that and I, you know, for the first 18 years, I was actually mainly teaching one of my mentors works. I don't know if you've ever heard of secrets of the millionaire mind, the book by T Harbecker. I was actually his very first protege. So, yeah, and I trained almost all the training. Um, I was the first person to ever train his training other than him. Uh, I was also trained most of the trainers they use around the world to do that. So I help people. And the reason I um, went that path is because when I was introduced to him and went to um, the Million Mind Intensive my, the first weekend back in June of 2001, my wife and I, we walked in over $150,000 in debt, personally, financially stressed, you know, stressed out beyond belief. We had been Domino's pizza franchisees for eight years up to that point, And we were making pretty good money, but because of our financial blueprint or thinking, we were spending a lot more money than we were making, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Sure. So we walked out of our, walked into the room, stressed out beyond belief, only showing up actually to get our money back. Cause we had paid $600 to go to the training and I didn't want to go. I wanted to get my money back, but they knew what was going on in my head. They were very gracious about it. Asked me to come in and us to watch for first a little bit. Well, they figured it out. Well, first hour in, all of a sudden we're in the energy and our lives changing. Um, that weekend, we walked out with a whole, A, understanding why we're in debt. B, taking ownership of our debt. See, I was good at blaming other people for losing my money. I was good at saying, 
they lost my investment or because of them, I spent this money. So took ownership of it and see, we actually had some action steps to take. And because we were um, willing to take the actions, we end up going from over $150,000 in debt to actually retiring completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And our minds went, that works. And that's when I found my passion was to teach others because I felt that if I could even help one, and, and again, this is something I want your audience to get, Chris. I didn't start off with the dream of, I want to travel the world helping hundreds of thousands of people. My dream started with, if I could help one person, just one, do what my wife and I had been able to do, go from financial debt to financial freedom and make it all worthwhile. And because of that, starting that dream that way and being willing to put the work in, well, yeah, now I've personally trained over half a million people around the world and love it. And, and you think about the impact, those half a million, I don't even know who they've impacted and who they've impacted and who they've impacted. You know, and so people say, well, that's the ripple effect. And I'm like, today, I'm like, no, I don't want no ripple effect. I want a freaking tsunami effect <laughs> because if I can help more people, then that means I'm living my legacy of being able to impact lives all over the world. And so that's what I, up until COVID, I was mainly training those kind of trainings around the world. Now, um, because of COVID, I've been developing my own trainings and in partnership with a few friends, you know, cause I do a lot on zoom, but man, we're doing some powerful inner, um, inner respect, inner respect work with people. Like again, working on you, who are you, yep. what's holding you back? What empowers you? Um, and I, because I'm not traveling as much, I started taking on one-on-one -on -one clients for either as a coaching client or because I love developing trainers. That's my true passion. I've been blessed to train thousands of trainers around the world. And when I can take someone and, and sit there and make little adjustments to them to help them be more authentic and more present on the stage, that's what really gets me energized. And that's why I built the training studio is because now my students can come to me from around the world. And that's, I love working on them. And so I've taken on mentoring students and one-on-one -on -one mentoring students, one-on-one -on -one coaching clients and loving it because now I'm seeing instead of a thousand people in front of me, I get to connect with one person and see the change in their life. I did a podcast the other week. We were talking about the differences in a mentor and a role model and that how it can be easily confused that, you know, people will sometimes read, you know, books about, I don't know, whoever you want to self-help successful book. And they try to do everything that they did, you know, point A to point B to point C, you know, X, Y, and Z, everything I'm doing. It's like, then they don't get successful. It's like, well, I did everything that, I don't know, it's who well, Jeff Bezos did. I don't understand why I'm right. But I think we were getting at that. Well, that's the difference between a role model and a mentor was that, hey, you know, a mentor might be the person to actually tell you, hey, what they did right and what they did wrong, take you under their wing and give you life advice rather than just trying to read a book about how somebody else did it, you know? And it's like, that's great that yep. you're rich as Jeff Bezos, but doesn't mean that just by reading a book about him doesn't mean it's going to work, you know, like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and power, or not overpowered, but really just really good and powerful. And if you use it correctly. Yeah. And, and, and a mentor, like when I'm mentoring someone, I'll tell them sometimes, quit trying to be like me. I want you to be you using the systems I've taught you. Because if you're trying to be like me, you're not being authentic and people sense that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the biggest key right there is be you within those systems. And the way I look at it, cause I never understood the difference between a coach and a mentor for years. And what I realized is a coach is someone who asks the questions, draws out of you what you want to do, helps you get that roadmap. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Whereas a mentor is someone who's accomplished what you want to accomplish, 
And they're the ones to not coddle you. They're the ones to have the tough conversations. Say, if you want to get here, and, and like for me, um, the reason I do podcasts is the number one thing I see that trainers miss is practice. They do not practice. And I, so I'll say, in this world that we're in, get on as many podcasts as you can as a guest so that you're practicing your message again and again and again. And I'll tell you, when I was introduced to how you and I met through PodMatch, when I was introduced to it at the end of August, beginning of September, because I'm writing a new book, I said, I want to prove my book's called The Authority, um, the Authority Key. So I want to pr- prove that my concept works. So I said, I want to get on this top 10 list. I'm going to do a lot of podcasts. And in five months, I did 168 podcasts. Awesome. I was number one for three months in a row. And my, my friend who introduced me to it was pissed because he was number one until I came along. And then he couldn't kick me off the number one spot. He was always number two. And I'm like, well, dude, you know. And, and so I only teach people to do what I'm willing to do myself. Yeah. And so I was putting in the hours. And the beautiful thing is not only do I get to meet amazing people like you, but now I'm saying my message over and over again. My book's now written in my head so clearly because I'm always listening. Did I like that way? Or do I adjust it and say it's something else? So now when I'm ready to put fingers to the keyboard, my book's written. Plus, in today's day and age, I've now got, well, I'm over 200 episodes now because even though I did slow down after New Year, I've got social proof of 200 podcasts that my assistant puts out on all my social media yeah. to show that here's who Robert is, here's his interviews. Plus, because everyone I've got a recording of, I could have those transcribed and write my book that way if I didn't want to write it. Because I've had 200 episodes of me talking about the same kind of material. See, and so, but the biggest thing that came from it is the practice. And so when I mentor someone, one of my rules with them is this. I'll give you a task. And until you've done the task, you're not allowed to phone me again. Even though you've paid up front for a year of mentoring. Because I'm not here to hold your hand. Sure. I'm here to tell you what the real work is that needs to be done if you want to accomplish it. And so the people that mentor from me, they get very quick at, if I'm going to get my money's worth, I better put the tasks in place. And then, of course, they're going, wow, I didn't realize it would work that good. You're right, because you haven't made it there yet. But I have the benefit of the hindsight to tell you, do this journey. And all the way along, I'm adjusting them, tweaking them, getting them more authentic so that they become the most powerful, authentic self with confidence instead of having to be that arrogant person trying to um, fake it till they make it. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're back. Okay, good. I thought you cut out. We cut out again on each other. But no, that's one thing that <laughs> I firmly believe in is that the more you do something, you know, obviously the better you're going to get at it. You know, and obviously there's outliers out there. You know, like LeBron James in basketball, who was just a complete athlete all around. But you know, you got what do they say? You, you put in ten thousand hours and to become a master at a craft or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this that's for some reason back when I was in college, one of my uncles gave me some advice that. Hey, you know, no, I know, you know, what college is partying in life, but you can make it whatever you want it to be. But if you don't do anything else, at least just show up to class, whether you're hungover, whether you're not feeling good, just go to class and attendance is key. And I think that's, that's always stuck with me is that this showing up to classes. And then, you know, I also coach CrossFit, do CrossFit on the side and train and try to compete. But it's like, no matter what, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm, things are not going my way, I still try to show up and put into work, you know, even if it's not going to be, always a hundred percent, but I'm still going to get in there and get my effort in. And then usually I get, you know, I feel better afterwards. And then, right. right? Yeah. And it's oh man, like, I'm glad Shocking I actually, that that actually worked. 
<laughs> it's always stuck with me is that this consistency and just showing up man and just i mean yeah i mean try to give the best you can even if it's not 110 percent or whatever 100 percent that day but well whatever your 100 percent in that moment is is your 100 percent and and so you can still give 100% of whatever that is in the moment. It may not be your normal 100%, but if you're showing up and you're actually present and giving 100% of what you have, then you're still giving 100%. And that's, you're right, because uh, I love the saying, 80% of success is just showing up. Absolutely, totally agree with that. Yeah, I learned that. And, just of, and even with work and like, you know, a full-time job or whatever I'm doing, or even this, you know, just like no matter what, I'm just going to, even if like the show numbers are down or whatever, it's just like, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. You know? Yes. You know, some people say that you're often, I don't know. I've heard it in a couple of places that, you know, well, the reason you got famous was just because you were lucky or whatever. But <laughs> when some people, you know, they get famous, they catch a break or whatever. Yeah. That probably did happen. But also, you know, what you were saying earlier, they were also putting a lot of work in behind the scenes and, you know, paying their. Yes. Then they, yeah. They, maybe they just called it. You're right. But. But yeah. Well, and, and look, again, that's the difference between the ones that can handle fame and the ones that don't. The ones that just get it because of by sheer luck that they stumble into it, because they haven't put the work in, they don't know how to handle it. And that's where the addictions come in the and the fall from grace comes in and they don't last. But the ones that are putting the work in are the ones that can get through those hiccups because, you know, the hiccups will come and they'll get through it. And then it's actually when I train trainers, one of the things I tell them is, and when I start mentoring them, is I'll say, everybody, and I don't care who you are you're going to go through what I call the starstruck stage. Because there's going to be a point when you start training where all of a sudden, and as people are coming up going, oh my goodness, you've changed my life. I love what you've done this. You're amazing. You're going to start to believe the, 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 that you know, knowledge coming in. You're going to be like, oh yeah, look how great I am. And you're going to go into the starstruck stage. And I said, even I did. And it's not about good or bad or right or wrong. You're going to go through it. Yeah. And it's not about not going through it. It's how quickly can you get through it? How quickly can you realize that, wow, I'm now in that full-on ego about how great I am, and how quickly can you come back to being humble? And so when I'm teaching um, trainers as a mentor, with my mentoring, one of my agreements up front with them, there's two major agreements. Number one is, don't quit. You just signed on for a year with me. I'm going to push you hard. So commit that you will not come, uh, quit. You'll see it right through to the end of the year. Because I'm not here to be nice all the time. If you're pulling crap, I'm going to tell you. If you're not playing the big enough game, I'm going to tell you. So don't quit. And then I get them to do that agreement. And then the next agreement is there's going to be a certain point where you, during our one year, it may not happen, but that you will go into the starstruck stage. At the moment I sense you're in the starstruck stage, I won't mentor you anymore. Because you're not going to listen to anything I'm saying anyway. And it's got to be your journey. And again, there's no good or bad or emotion around it. It's just at that moment, the mentorship stops. Once you're through it, we can pick back up. Because I value my time, Chris, and I'm, I don't have time to sit there and share something that I know will change someone's life if they're not going to use it. Well, yeah, I agree. One th that's one thing we'll never get back in life or no amount of money ever bought more of was time. You know, And that's yep. also one of the things I've been learning over the... Uh, covid pandemic or whatever we're still in it but yeah you know how are you using your time what are you doing are you sometimes you might have to sacrifice a couple of things to get to wherever you want to be and not yeah you know i've been saying it this whole time we've been chatting i guess that you know i've learned about myself and learned that hey you know maybe i shouldn't have you know that day watched six hours of netflix and 
sat on the couch and ate Doritos. Maybe I should have actually got up and did something with myself. But, you know, and, and that's that's part of the balance, though, too, because, you know, I was about to use the example of like, because you do CrossFit, can you imagine if someone sat in the corner eating donuts going, well, but I want to be in the shape you're in. Uh-huh. Not doing that, you're not. But then notice the example you went to about, I, and this is our mind, my Zen teacher taught me this. She said, quit shooting all over yourself. Because how easy it is to go back and go, I shouldn't have watched six hours of Netflix. I shouldn't have done this. But so one of the things that um, I put into my calendar, it's the first thing my wife and I, when we plan out our calendars, the first thing that goes on before anything else is called our pamper time. This is a time for each other, time for ourselves. And I I mean that time for ourselves, because even though we've been now, I've known my wife since we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. In two months, we celebrate our 33rd wedding anniversary. We do everything together, but we still both have time for ourselves because that's important. Because we're not a couple, we're individuals in a relationship. And so for me, as an example, I like to watch movies, kind of movies she doesn't like. So there's times where that's what I'll do is I'll watch that because that fulfills me. And one of the most important things we put on our schedule is something called freedom time. And freedom time is time that we can use for whatever we want. Meaning if we don't want to get out of bed that day, we don't. If we want to binge watch a, a series, we binge watch it without feeling guilt because if you don't take care of yourself when times are tough you're going to pay the price if you keep just pushing 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 and that's why we put it on our calendar first before anything else and and so when i was traveling around the world our one rule is the day i land back at home the next two days are freedom days where we no business no family it's just us at home if we want to sleep in all day we do that because that's how if i don't take care of me and she doesn't take care of her we can't take care of others. And so it's really, really important. So I love TV. And I know if I cut TV out of my life, I'd sabotage my life. So we find ways to be able to watch it in a healthy way in moderation. Yeah, I like that, man. Keep a good balance, you know, moderation. Like everything, yeah. which is what most people say. But yeah, good balance, you know. Yeah. Saying- and we love our animals, so we spend a lot of time with our animals. And that's why I keep loving seeing your puppy dogs. <laughs> I guess that was a good spot to put that thing in there, but they have the other ones up here now. But I want to go back a little bit because we're talking about time and all that. And you said there were four currencies in life, and I think yeah, say the first one was fame. Well, one of them's fame. One of them's the um, experience. One we've just been talking about, which is a currency of time. Gotcha. And we all have the exact same amount of time. The question is, what are you doing with it? And with time, if you have too much time on your hand, it's called boredom. Too little time, it's called stress. And a lot of people, one of the biggest things when they say, yeah, Robert, I want to change my life. I want to have a greater life, but you don't know how busy I am. Mm-hmm. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got a business. I don't have time. And what I've learned is that people are really good at being busy, but they're not necessarily good at being productive, yeah. totally different world. And so for me, as an example, I put on the, remember first thing I put on my calendar is the um, pamper time, how to take care of ourselves. Second thing I put on is I call it focus time. And I've learned, and you can look at all the different researches, whatever, which one you buy into. I know for me, I can't stay productive on something and focused on it for more than an hour at a time before I start getting distracted. And so I will actually on my calendar put in like, because I'm writing my new book, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, write book. And when I come to my office, there's no hour. I'm doing nothing but working on my book. And I've learned in, in my life, one hour of productivity 
is about equal to six hours of being busy. That makes sense. And so for people who have busy lives, if you really understood what I just said, I just freed up a ton of time for you. Yeah. So one of my clients out of South Africa, she's got a very, very busy life and she's invested tens of thousands of dollars in things she's never used yet to get her book written and, and start um, to be a coach herself. And I said, okay, if you're going to coach, I'm going to be your coach. Said, here's what we're working on. Not normally what I work on with people. My sole job for you is to get you productive and using all those programs you've already paid for. And I instituted 30 minute focus times with her. And I just had my um, weekly check-in call with her today. And she's just over the moon because she's got three 30 minute focus times a day now, five days a week. And she's finding she's 10 times more productive than she's been been in the last months. She's getting way more done and having more time with her family and being able to time, spend time with her kids and feeling good about herself. And her husband's not riding her of, oh, bought something else and not going to do anything with it. He's now going, hey, when are you talking to Robert again? I love what he's doing. You're, you're getting stuff done. This is amazing. I'm loving to see your journey. So that's the power of focused time. So just put little chunks in there. And, and the key is this, Chris. If you say I'm going to do it for 30 minutes, Set a timer. When the timer goes off at 30 minutes, stop. Walk away, take a break, celebrate mm-hmm. that you did that focus time. Because one of the downsides is people get so good, oh, focus time, okay. Oh, yeah, the alarm went off. I'll just keep going. And then they start sabotaging. So you've got to really do it in that structure. So that's another one of the currencies. And then the fourth currency, which is actually the first one, is the currency everybody thinks of, which is money. If you have too much money in your life, there's something called affluenza. And you know you have affluenza when you do stupid things with your money or you make investments without doing your due diligence and then shocked if they don't work out. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounded good. I had the money. I put it in. I thought it would work. And so when you have too much money, you're in that affluenza stage. When you have too little money, that's called poverty. And everybody has a zone. And everybody's zone's different than everybody's else's. And your zone will change as you change. So when I was a Domino's Pizza franchisee, as an example, and you, you can figure out your zone by just paying attention. Where do you get stressed out? And where do you start doing silly things? So in my Domino's Pizza days, if my wife and I were anywhere near $40,000 a year in income, I was stressed out beyond belief because how are we going to pay the bills? We're not going to be able to make it, yada, yada, yada. So that was my poverty line. Yeah. My affluenza line was about 100000 Every time we made over 100000 that's when we started doing the silly things. That was back then. Because I've grown myself and we've grown as people, my poverty line nowadays is about 200000 Because I have a good life and I like my lifestyle. I choose not to have to live on anything less. So that's, you know, that line's come up. And my affluenza line is just over a million. Whenever I make over a million in a year, I notice I start doing different things. And because I've identified it, I want to keep growing it. I, can, I want to keep my poverty around 200000 but I want to grow my affluent line because I realized having the awareness, being a smart guy now, I was actually setting a limiter to myself. Yeah. Because as I was talking about, every time I'd get near a million, oh, I'm about to sabotage myself again. And all of a sudden I went, wait a second, I am holding myself back. And the moment I started thinking bigger, my affluenza line went up because I'm still prudent about how I do things. And I still do now my due diligence. And I just entered a partnership where our, one of our goals 
big, hairy, audacious goals, as um, Jack Canfield would call it, is we want to be able to win the um, Peace Prize for changing education. And we're developing an app that is like a fancy role-playing app, but you actually learn true business skills through it. And you actually create real business in it. And this thing could end up going to billions in value when we're bought out. And so if I stick at 1 million as my affluenza level, and all of a sudden I get a windfall on a buyout of hundreds of millions of dollars or more, I better make some adjustments quick. So I've started prepping for that now. So does that make sense? So, so the app is like a simulation? Yeah, it does make sense. But I was going yep. to simulation of a business you want to create. No, it's actually going to be like old, um, you, you'll either be, you'll take a test and you'll either be a king, queen, jester, or bard. It's going to go with the ar- four archetypes or archetypes um, of people. And once you understand who you are, you now actually have to build your castle first. And playing in, in just like a, an online game, which it will be on your app, you'll build your castle, which is your business. And you'll learn all the business skills. How do you find the right employees? How do you get the funding? How do you do this? And then from there, you build your realm, which is now, what, how do you, are you scaling your business? How do you take it to the next level to grow it? And then the third level will be, how do you um, work with other realms and expand? Do you buy out another business or do you partner with them? How do you really globally expand it? And while the people are playing the game, they're going to be able to earn coins inside and they're going to be able to do in-app purchases with those coins to learn more about business. And it's going to cost them like $2.99 a month to play it. Nothing. Right. Yeah. And our goal is the first million downloads will all of a sudden get, we've already had a few million dollar valuation on it and people wanting to buy us out. But we know as, we, as soon as we hit the million dollar downloads, all of a sudden that valuation adds another zero to the end. And because of my connections, one of the things I'm, I'm one of the archetypes is, you know, I'm the herald because that's my role is I, can share it with people around the world. And I've got partnerships in India, Brazil, all over the place. India has 1.3 billion people. Yeah. What's, what's, a hundred, what's a million downloads? Nothing. <laughs> Especially when they get to download it and start it for free. And then it's only $2.99 a month. See, if I hadn't just adjusted my affluenza zone, I would never thought I could participate in something like that. I would have actually subconsciously limited how big this company would go. You said earlier you like video games. Is, is playing video games kind of helped you design this and like no, things from it or no? Oh, okay. Yo, this was designed two years um, over the last two years before I was asked to be an advisor on it. I was asked to come in as an advisor. And when I saw what they were doing, it was so in alignment with me. They're like, uh, brother, why do you think for a year we've been trying to get you on board with this? <laughs> and, and yet I had limited myself of, well, I don't know if, and get this, Chris, I want people to hear this. What held me back from talking to him for a year is I didn't know if I was actually going to be able to bring value to the company. Even as successful as I am, the one of my demons, one of my dragons that I fight with every day is self-doubt. I'm with you. And I had to start getting out of my own way. So when I finally also my mind went, uh, duh, you do have some value. And I started talking to him. My one friend, the one partner, he's like, don't you realize what you bring to the table? Why do you think we've been chasing you for a year? And I said, yeah, I got it now. I said, I had to get out of my own way, didn't I? He said, yep, that's why we gave you space to do it. Because we knew if we forced it, you would bring that self-doubt in. But letting you come to the realization 
and just being there to support you until you did. Now you're on fire. And so we're already making introductions into India, into Brazil, where a million down loans is going to be nothing. And, and we're very clear. And, and I want people to hear this about business. You start a business to sell the business. See, this is for us as our multi-generational legacy build. Within five years, we're either going to be gone public and or sell out of it. We're not in it to run it for the rest of our lives. We're in it to, for the exit game. So we have that generational wealth that we can impact lives. And because my wife and I love animals, the charities for animals that we'll be able to, for generations, be able to fund and help and, and really work with. That's what we're in it for. Help a lot of people, but that generally, generational wealth that will change many, many people's and animals' lives. Never heard that before. You just you start a business to sell a business. Oh, haven't you? Uh, See, I've never heard that. Oh my god, that that has probably got to be the biggest principle that most people miss out on. They go into a business because it's something they want to do, and then they become the greatest clog that holds it from going where it could truly go. But if you come into it with the mindset that I'm going to be selling this business, you start to systemize it right off the bat so that it can work without you. And then what that gives you is gives you choice because now you can either sell the business. And let's be clear, Chris, you can make a lot of money running a business, sure, but you can make exponentially more selling it. Well, Robert, what do I do if I sell the business? Start another one with the intent of selling it. And think of how much fun you can have with that, Right. So you can either end up selling it for a lot of money or you can turn around and if you've systemized it so it works without you, it becomes a passive income because whether you're there or not, it's now producing. And here's how I visualize it. And you tell me if this is something you'd like, Chris. Okay. Would you like to have a room in your house that when you walk in the room, it's just shelves of little machines spitting out money at you? Oh, of course. <laughs> That's what systemizing a business does. It becomes an automatic money-making machine. Because you, when, when my wife and I had our Domino's pizzas, we sold our first store out of stress. We had to sell. We're deep in debt. And at first, I thought the guy took advantage of us because he knew we were desperate. But now I look back and I go, no, we allowed him to take advantage. So I took ownership that I allowed that situation. And we sold it out of stress. And we had a second store that no one wanted because it was in an area you couldn't build and expand on. So no one wanted to buy that store. But when our mindset shifted, we went, you know what? We know we're done with Domino's. So we're going to have a great manager in there that will make part owner and we'll just get a consistent passive income off of it. And so we put in the systemization that we hadn't been doing for eight years. And also next thing you know, three people wanted our store because now it wasn't like, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's like, if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, we're okay because we're going to keep making money. And also in the moment that we changed us, and we were in the vision of we're selling this store one way or the other. All of a sudden, the people started wanting the store. Three people. And the first person we went to him said, look, you came to us first. So here's the deal. Here's the price. Non-negotiable. Here's the takeover day. Non-negotiable. We'll tell you the good. We'll tell you the bad. We'll tell you the ugly of everything in this area. We'll keep up with our end of the deal. As long as you keep up with your end of the deal, the deal goes forward. The moment you don't, no hard feelings, but your deal's done, we go to the next person. Are you clear? Are you okay with that? And they're like, okay, I can live with that. And so everything started going really, really well until it took, he was, it was time for him to put down a $5,000 non-refundable He's supposed to meet at the coffee shop and he didn't show up. 
So we got him on the phone and said, Eric, what's going on? Well, um, um, um. Now, in this moment, Chris, and I want your audience to hear this. In this moment, we had a choice. We could have went, oh, come on. What's wrong? You said you wanted it. But what we did is we went, Eric, have we not told you everything good, bad, and ugly about it? Yes. Did we not make an agreement? Yes. Well, you have now not lived up to your end. The deal is done. And we hung up the phone. And in our minds, my wife and I are going, oh, my God, we just spent months on this. But we had to hold to our word, right? Now, get this. Within two and a half, three minutes, he's phoning us back going, okay, I'm on my way down. I want to go forward. Now we had a choice again. See, this is, you set your boundaries and it's your choice if you let them get pushed or not. Yeah, stick to your guns, right? So we could have sat there and went, oh, thank goodness, Eric, get, get down here. And I don't know why, but here's what my wife's telling me to say. Remember I told you my wife, how good she is, right? She goes, tell him, no, the deal's done. If he still wants to store, the price just went up by $5,000. And I'm like, Eric, hang on a second. She goes, just do it. Do it. Two most important words in a relationship. Yes, dear. <laughs> Eric, here's the deal. Have we not been straight up with you? Yeah. Have we told you everything? Yeah. So if you still want the store, the store just went up $5,000. You have three hours to make a decision. We'll talk to you soon. Click. I hung up the phone. I'm like, what did we just do? And my wife's like, breathe, breathe. <laughs> Two minutes later, he calls back. He goes, I agree to the new terms. I'm on my way down with the check. Wow. Not even a year earlier when we had sold the other store under stress and duress because we were a different person. It was a totally different scene. But because we changed us, this deal. So when you go into a business with the attitude that I'm doing this business to sell this business, watch what you can create. Yeah, you change that mindset like that. And there's, yeah. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Thanks, dude. I like that, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you shared that with me. I, I even wrote that down. I'm uh, <laughs> like, I'm remembering this for sure. Yeah. So, and that's the fourth currency, is the currency of money. And so, you know, I, there's a lot of things that you. I think you and I could probably talk for hours because there's a lot of things. You know, like the four um, four phases of life. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. From my 20 plus years now of traveling around the world teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's uh. Let's take it home on that note right there then. I feel like it's a good one. Oh, yeah, and, and anytime you ever want me back, just ask and I'd love to be here. I love your style and your energy. Good. Yeah, because uh, I want to talk. I'm, I'm a gamer myself, and that's one of my things. Like you were talking about paying for time. I kept thinking in the back of my head was like, you know, my friends from college and I, you know, we try to sit down as often as we can and play, you know, video games together, and you know, for a couple of times, a couple of days out of the week. And it's just, you know, fun, laid back. Just fun. It's more of a social hour than it is us playing. But It is. Yeah. Yeah, keeps us all together. But yeah, uh, if anybody wants to find you, find your books, find you, all that good stuff, how do they do that? Uh, well, you know, when we talk about the currency of time, Chris, I believe our time is one of our most precious commodities that we have. And because you took your precious time to interview me, and more importantly, your audience took their precious time to listen to this crazy aerodynamic dude here, <laughs> um, I actually have a gift for them from us. You know, my, my international best-selling book, Success Left a Clue, where there's a video if people can see it, um, this is six steps to create the life of your dreams. And what I've decided to do is that if your audience just goes to my name, robertriopel.com, they can actually download the entire digital copy of this book as our gift to them. Great. Now, 
This comes with a caveat though. I did not write this book for you to take it, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. And I hope your audience gets that joke. I, step number three in this is you've got to take action. The number one biggest difference between successful people and unsuccessful people I've noticed all around the world, everybody has this in common, is successful people take action, unsuccessful people don't. And so knowing that, I wrote it as a workbook. So there's action steps all the way through it. And I even say in there, because I am quirky, I even say things like, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back, do that action before you continue reading. Because it's me. It's me in book format. I can't be anybody but me, right? And I'm going to make a promise to your audience. If they download the book, read it and do the action steps, they will take their life to another level. And I've recently decided also that um, because I'm in the give back phase of my life and I'm not traveling 200,000 miles a year around the world anymore. So that's freed up a lot of time is that your audience member, if they download the book, they're also going to be able to book in a one-on-one 20 minute strategy session with me personally, where I will help them on how to move forward in their life. I'll actually, they fill out a questionnaire before they get to call me. And in that 20 minutes, I give them practical strategies on how to go to the next level in their life. And on that call, there's no sales. It's just me being of absolute service to help you as much as I can for your life on how to go to the next level. So I'd love to offer that to your audience. Awesome. That's great. I like that. So, yeah. So just robertrealpel.com. That's how you find it. Good deal. Easy enough. Um, Anything else you want to say before we uh, hop off here? Nah, just, you know, have fun, everybody. You know, life's been stressful. Just enjoy life. Enjoy the people around you. Robert, you're a cool dude, man. Thanks for taking your time out here talking with me on this little fun podcast or whatever you want to call it that we did tonight. So <laughs> my, my pleasure. Yeah. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Be good to yourselves. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.